happened around the birth of Jesus. In the beginning of Matthew, it was great and good news. But then Matthew jumps right into telling us all about this not-so-great King Herod. King Herod was ruler over all of the people at the time, all of the people in the land of Judah. And he was in charge of making sure that they did exactly what he said. He was tyrannical, means he was a tyrant, means it was his way or the highway. That is the only thing, that is the only way that things were going to go for King Herod. He was large and in charge. And and you have to wonder what, what made him that way. Well, first of all, he had to fight for the position that he got. He knew how to ooze and smooze his way up to the top, and that's exactly what he did, kissing up to the Roman authorities so that he could be first in line for the kingship. He was also, well, even though we call him today Herod the not-so-great, he got that title because he actually did some really great things. He reconstructed the temple. He did modifications to it, made it beautiful, one of the centerpieces of all of history when it comes to the beauty of architecture. Herod the Great did that, and that's where he got his name, Herod the Great. But things kind of spiraled out of control after that. He was very self-conscious. He, he wanted to make sure that no one was ever going to take his leadership position from him. And so he made it very difficult for people to do that. He just killed him. That's what he did. If he thought that one day you might be his king or take his kingship from him, he just got rid of you permanently. And I, I just wonder if any of us in our lives have ever encountered a Herod the not-so-great. The three wise men did, or the wise men. We say three because we like the number three. The wise men came. Now, they were also following a leader, but their leader wasn't King Herod. Their leader was a star in the sky. You see, they were astrologers. And they watched to see for signs in the sky. And the sign told them that a king was coming. Not Herod, the not-so-great king, but the true, real king of the Jews. The wise men followed the star. And whenever they got close, they found not Jesus. But they had an encounter with King Herod, the not-so-great their encounter with him was very interesting. Whenever you look at scripture, it, it tells us that, that King Herod was, well, he was pretty sneaky. Kind of a sneaky, sly guy. He calls these kings in and, and he woos them and he says nice things to them because he wants to get the deets. What is happening with this king? Who is the new king of the Jews? He hears the words and his ears perk up because what does Herod do with kings? That's right, Hattie. He gets rid of them permanently. And he listens to their story. And he says, I can imagine just the, the smooth and ooze coming off of him as he says the words, Oh, please tell me, as soon as you find that king, 
so that I can go and worship him too. Herod, the not so great. I want you to think for just a minute about a time in your life when someone tried to make you do something wrong that you didn't want to do. Okay, I'm going to give you a minute to think about it. A time in your life where someone tried to get you to do something wrong made you feel uncomfortable or maybe forced to do something wrong, even though you didn't want to do it. Okay? Can you think of a time? Now, I want you to share that with your neighbor. Share it with your neighbor. The adults are like, I've never been, I've never been. Maybe a time when you were a kid. So, uh, in the church that I grew up in, Oak Hill Church of the Nazarene, down in the southern part of West Virginia, we, um, our church just sat right there on Main Street, and in next door, we shared a parking lot with a little general store. It was called Country Corner. It's a perfect name for a little tiny store down in southern West Virginia. And Country Corner did lots of really things well. They make some of the best hot dog chili ever, so if you ever happen to be in Oak Hill, West Virginia, and want some good hot dog chili... Um, and yes, we put chili on our dogs down there. Um, you, uh, you can go to Country Corner to get it. Well, before youth group would happen, we didn't have a, a Wendy's or a, a Speedway to go run to. But before youth group, we would go over to Country Corner. And we'd buy a pop or a Snickers bar. Well, there was a girl that I was with, and we went over to Country Corner together. Her name was Crystal. And, and Crystal said, Rachel, let's steal this Snickers bar. And my, my chest kind of clenched up, and my heart started beating really fast. Because I knew it was wrong, and I knew I shouldn't do it, but I also really wanted Crystal to like me. And I wanted to be really good friends with her, and so I, I, I debated in my head, what's the right, what do I do? What do I do here? Do I, do I do what I know is wrong because I feel like Crystal wants me to do it and because I want to be her friend, or do I choose the right thing and, and, and say no and, and tell her not to do it? And... Well, I'd, I couldn't bring myself to steal the candy bar, either because I was afraid or because it, I knew it was the wrong thing to do. I can't remember which, but I just know that I didn't do it. And Crystal did. She stuck that Snickers down in her pocket, and we went back over to youth group. And all through youth group, I was sick to my stomach. Because I knew. I knew it was just a little thing, a Snickers bar, probably cost 50 cents at the time. But I, I sat there, and my, my stomach sat in knots, and I knew what she had done was wrong, and I hadn't done anything to stop her, nothing. I hadn't said a word against it. I just didn't do it, which made me look like a loser. At the end of youth group, I went over to Country Corner, and I told the store owner, who also attended our church, by the way. I don't know if I mentioned that part. He might have been on the board at the time. And uh, I went over to Country Corner, and I, I told them that somebody from youth group, I didn't tell them who, somebody from youth group had stole a Snickers bar, and I wanted to pay for it. Now, I did not always choose the right thing as a kid growing up. Trust me. I made a lot of really, really bad decisions. But that time, I chose the right thing. You see, we're surrounded by bullies in our society, and it's not just our kids. We live in workplaces. 
we go to the grocery store. We find bullies everywhere. Even during the holiday season, my friend told a story of how she was at Target and she was purchasing something and there was a man there with special needs who was working the counter and this couple just were badgering him and making things really difficult because he wasn't going as fast as they thought he should be over the holiday season. Needless to say, my friend got kicked out of Target. Um, so, for us, we, we look around and we see these bullies, these people who are picking on other people, who are trying to make them do things that they don't want to do. We have to ask ourselves, why? Why would anybody do that? Why would anybody, especially a king who had all of the power in the world, try to make people feel worthless, try to manipulate them, or try to get them to do something that they didn't want to do? The answer is sin. It's because we're broken. And it's because Herod, the not-so-great, was a broken man. I don't know if he just got relief, maybe as a child. His parents had been pretty terrible to him, and they had taught him exactly how to bully other people because they did the exact same thing. And he got some kind of relief from lording himself over other people. It could be that whenever he felt like he was attacking others, that he was safe. Maybe it was because he was just so lacking in self-esteem that talking bad about other people made him feel good about himself. Whatever the reason, Herod was a bully. Picking on other people. Trying to make the three wise men do what they didn't want to do to come back and tell him where this Jesus was. He forced others into his idea of what was right to benefit himself. That was it. End of discussion. Herod was a really bad leader. Herod, the not so great. But then we have these magi, these seekers of truth, the guys who really wanted to figure out what does a real king look like? You would think that they had just seen one. A king sitting in a palace with a crown and a throne with authority over the entire area. That's what a king should look like, right? Making decisions and enforcing them on other people. But the Magi's search for a true king, a true leader, led them to a humble home. There's no wealth no crowns. It was a toddler. A toddler who, of all things, had been born in a dusty manger where cows eat. That's where he was born. With a mom and dad who were really no one important. A 15, 16-year-old girl whose only claim to fame was an angel showed up and knocked her up. And then, and then Joseph, a man who followed God's own, own heart, but was a simple carpenter. Nothing spectacular. 
nothing marvelous about this king of the Jews. And yet the wise men showed up at that place. They followed a star that led them there to find Jesus, the great king of all kings. Jesus was the epitome of what it looked like to be a leader. You see, Herod told people what to do, enforcing it upon them if absolutely necessary. Jesus invited others to be a part of what he was doing. Jesus' words weren't, come on now, you better get with it. If you don't follow me, there's something really bad in your future. No, Jesus said, follow me. Inviting us to be a part of the amazing things that the king was doing. Herod tricked others into doing the wrong thing. Trying to trick the three wise men into, into telling him where baby Jesus was. Where all along, Jesus helped people. He helped them do the right thing. He saw the wrong in the world and he called it out. And he saw the creation that he loved, the people that he loved. And he invited us to follow him, to do the right thing, to love God and to love our neighbors. King Herod hurt people when they didn't do what he wanted. Like Hattie was punching a punching bag earlier this morning. Or when Herod was ending little one's lives because he was so afraid that the king was going to show up and take his place. Jesus, Jesus was busy healing the hurting even when they weren't doing the right thing. Giving water to a woman at a well. Writing words in the dirt, having people lay down stones for a woman who had been caught in sin. Herod was selfish and self-serving. Everything that he did was so that he could get exactly what he wanted. We don't ever behave like that, do we? We don't ever behave like that. And I'm not talking about big things like King Herod. I'm talking about being selfish in the little things. Man, I think that's one of the hardest things for us to overcome as Christians. It's really easy for us to be selfish. It is. It's easy for us to be selfish with our time and with our energy. We think about the things that we should be doing, and instead we go, uh, I'd just rather sit here and watch TV or... I'd rather choose something that I want to do instead of doing something for somebody else. Herod was selfish and self-serving. Jesus, on the other hand, was selfless and was a servant. In John chapter 13, we see this beautiful story of what it looks like to be a true leader. What it looks like for us to lead with love. And this goes for everybody. Kids, this is for you. Teenagers, this is for you. Adults, senior adults, and everywhere in between. Jesus teaches us right here in Luke chapter 13 what it means for us to lead others and lead them well. 
And before the Passover celebration, Jesus knew that his hour had come to leave this world and return to the Father. He had loved his disciples during his ministry on earth, and now he loved them to the very end. And it was time for supper. The devil had already prompted Judas, son of Simon Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. And Jesus knew that the Father had given him authority over everything that had come from God. So Jesus got up from the table. There they are, all sitting together, having a meal. What they didn't know was their last meal together, Jesus knew. And all the things that Jesus could have done at the very last meal, he got up from the table and he took off his robe and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he poured water into a basement and then he began to wash the disciples' feet. Dirty, dusty feet. The job of a lowly servant. He dried them with a towel that he had around him. Jesus said to Simon Peter, when Jesus came to Simon Peter, Simon said, Lord, are you going to wash my feet too? And Jesus said, you don't understand now what I'm doing, but someday you will. Peter protested, you're never going to wash my feet, Jesus. Not going to happen. These dirty feet, you are doing the job of a servant. You are the king. You are the Messiah. You're it. We're following you, even to the death, Peter says, with his sword drawn. You're not going to wash my feet. And Jesus, the leader of all people, of all creation, of all times, said, if you don't let me wash your feet, you can't belong to me. In other words, this is what Jesus was saying. If you don't let me serve you, if you don't let me get down on my hands and knees and wash your dusty, dirty feet, if you don't let me show you what being a true leader looks like, then you can't belong to me. And then Peter, in the great way that he does, says, well, then wash all of me. Do the whole thing, Jesus. I want to belong to you everywhere. And he said, no, your feet will do. Herod the not-so-great was all about serving himself, and that's what made him a not-so-great leader. Jesus was all about serving others, and that's what transforms our world. So let me ask you today, in this new year, how will you serve? How will you serve? Will you be the leader in your school, in your youth group, in your community, at your job? Will you be the leader that God is calling you to be, which means probably getting down and washing dirty feet, not literally? It means doing the job that you can't imagine that anybody would ever ask you to do. Loving people when they're unlovable. Helping to save people who, you know what, it's their own darn fault they are where they're at. How is God calling you to lead? How is he calling you to serve? At that same meal, Jesus gave the disciples not only an example of what it meant to be a servant leader, but he gave them something to remind them of who they were to be. You see, Jesus, in the ultimate act of serving us, went to a cross 
so that that sin that holds us dead and captive, those chains can be broken and we can be set free. Jesus did that for us through a broken body on a cross, through shed blood for the forgiveness of our sins. Jesus showed us what it meant to be a servant. And as we partake in communion today, will you ask yourself that? Will you remember the beauty of what Jesus did as a servant for you and ask the Lord with an open and honest heart, how can I lead well by serving others this year, Jesus? How can I do that? How can I lead with love and serve others well? In the Church of the Nazarene, we celebrate what we call an open table, which means if, if you have a relationship with the Lord, if you have made Jesus the king of your heart, then you can partake with us. When you come forward, you'll find a small cracker in this, in this tray, and you'll hear the words, the body of Christ broken for you, and you can take the cracker. And then there'll be someone holding the cup, and they'll say the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of your sins. And you may dip that down into the cup and then partake. Heavenly Father, as we come to your table today, oh God, we just ask and invite you to come and be with us. Lord, we know that sometimes we're really cruddy servants. We get it. Sometimes, whether we want to admit it or not, we look a lot more like Herod than not so great than we do Jesus, the great King and Messiah. So, Lord, I pray today that as, as we partake of the Eucharist, as we come to the table, O oh God, that one, we will remember who Jesus really was, a servant leading us to you. We ask, O oh God, you also will get into us, that you will help us see with clear vision who you are calling us to be, that we may also serve, we also may lead with the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. Like that. As you go from this place today, may you remember that in the good things, or in the hardest part, you are committed to follow the one true leader, Christ the King. Amen. You may be dismissed.